Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You keep lying when you ought to be truthing. And you keep losing when you ought to not bet. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Now what's right is right, but you ain't been right yet. Welcome back, Indianapolis, to another exciting edition of Saturday Night on the Circle. I, of course, am your humble host, Ethan Hatcher. Happy to return after a long sojourn, a sabbatical away from the show due to sports get ball preemptions the past two weeks. But I'm happy to be back. And boy, there was a lot of news to get into. We have upheaval in House leadership as a change is imminent, potentially as soon as next week. A couple of possibilities come to mind. Also, Matt Gates on a roll and corruption at the height of the United States Senate. But we already knew that. We'll get into all of that for the first segment. But first, producer Carl, who's always dutifully pushing the buttons beep, 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 to make the show function. However, I notice that my camera seems to be misplaced. What have you done to the YouTube feed, Carl? What is, have you done? What have the other shows done? Oh, are we blaming I, Rob for yeah. this? <laughs> I come into this room and the cameras aren't working and wires are missing. People, when you change something, put things back. Yeah. For goodness sakes. Yeah. We're, we're, if, if we're going to hold the weekend crew to that standard, then everybody at the station gets held. What's going on here? We have a whole engineering department for this stuff. Are you telling me that this has been this way the whole week? I, you know, the, the crime level in Indianapolis is so high. They I, came up here I, and I took would the believe cord. that somebody came and stole our wires. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll have to make do with the setup in the meantime. But thank you for tuning in. You can hop in the YouTube chat, of course, while the show is streaming live. We are broadcasting there. And find podcasts uploaded to WIBC.com as well as Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. But the big news from the week that was a, <laughs> a surprise to everybody um, was the ousting of Kevin McCarthy in an effort led by Matt Gates and a small band of rabble-rousing Republicans, eight in all, who voted and succeeded in removing the speaker from office. He was effectively recalled on Tuesday, sending House leadership into a spiral. This moment was caught on C-SPAN. The yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Just like that, with a simple bang of the gavel, the leadership removed, I believe, nine disastrous months of Kevin McCarthy at the home. Yes, since January, all gone in the blink of an eye. <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. Now, 
a couple of possibilities for a change in leadership. This is a surprise. Nobody expected a, a rare, random act of accountability from the Republican Party. But here, lo and behold, uh, Matt Gates held his feet to the fire for not controlling the profligate spending of Washington, which was one of his charges upon taking office. Matt, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, in his short record, has been abysmal. As a California Republican, he's maintained those profligate, le profligate levels of spending that has been the scourge of U.S. taxpayers for a few decades decades now, and we need to get this under control as we're approaching $32 trillion of the national deficit, which is obscene. So yes, a change in leadership is warranted as long as something productive is obtained. Now, we could have uh, Jim Jordan, uh, who's heading up the House uh, Judiciary Committee, would be an interesting replacement. We could have a Hakeem Jeffries. So, you know, kind of a best case and worst case scenario, if you will. How humiliating would it be if somehow Hakeem Jeffries was elected House Speaker when Republicans control the majority? We cannot have this. So Donald Trump also was a name bandied about. However, due to House rules and his uh, hangups in court, he is not eligible at the moment. But he threw his weight behind Jim Jordan. I think Potentially, we could get something productive out of this. And earlier, producer Carl, you'll recall my immense skepticism regarding Republicans' ability to move forward with impeachment following an inquiry. That was under Kevin McCarthy's leadership. Now, on the other hand, Jim Jordan has given us some delightful sound bites in his role as a House Judiciary Committee um, holding the Biden crime family to account. Will that reflect itself in his House speakership? Who knows? Well, the main complaint about Jim Jordan has always been that he's just he's just doing stuff to get on Fox News. And huh. now we actually can see will he follow through sure. and impeach him. It's time to put up or shut up. And exactly. he was on Fox News talking about why he had the change of mind. Of course, he was also suggested, I believe, also by Matt Gates in January, if you recall. But at the time, he didn't want the position. Now things have changed. And he was on the Fox Morning Show uh, and answered why he's had that uh, change of heart. Congressman, great to see you. Good to you, were, you were on the fence the night of the ouster. What changed your mind to say, I, I want to be speaker? You need someone who can unite the conference, and I think just as importantly, unite the conservative and Republican movement across this country. Uh, that's what I think I can do. That's why I'm running for the job. I like the job I had. Uh, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Chairman of the Select Committee on the Weaponization of Government, doing the work there. But I do think we have to have someone who can bring our team together. I think I'm best equipped to do that. I love the Humble Politician Act, don't you, <laughs> Producer Carl? I mean, like, oh, well, you know, golly, I just think I'm the best person to bring the party together. How convenient. No, it's the power. It's the unlimited power that one can wield with their uh, position as the House Speaker because you set the agenda. So yes, I would be thrilled if we get some conservative leadership out of this change. I don't think that the chaos will have been for naught in that circumstance. Only time will tell. Steve Scalise also angling for leadership and Trump's endorsement may poison the well against Kevin McCarthy, not Kevin McCarthy, uh, against Jim Jordan. Who knows? You know, um, and well, <laughs> Of course, Donald Trump has been uh, complimentary of Kevin McCarthy uh, because Kevin McCarthy has said nice things about him. And I quote, 
It's a mess right now, but that was the big uh, mover, mover and shaker uh, in the news this week. Gates has been on a roll. The Tuesday before he uh, led the successful charge against uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy and successfully ousting him as speaker, um, he made this sick burn about Bob Medendez, who is currently embroiled in scandal. You are your record. And our record in this country right now is $33 trillion in debt facing $2 trillion annual deficits. We're in so much debt, we're driving up deficits so fast, we are devaluing American money so rapidly that in America today, you can't even bribe Democrat senators with cash alone. You need to bring gold bars to get the job done, just so that the bribes hold value. Boom. Roasted. So I know many of you are familiar with this, but again, I was uh, preempted by the sports get ball for the last couple of weeks. So I wanted to cover the unsealed indictment against Bob Menendez that was revealed uh, Tuesday, the 22nd uh, or September 22nd, um, where the FBI had raided his home j- dating back to June of last year. And among the possessions discovered in his wife's safe, at least 13 gold bars worth at least $100 plus nearly 400000 thousand dollars in cash and the fingerprints of the business and so associates they were allegedly involved in this scandal with were all over the physical money in the safe so you know let's just say it doesn't look good and bob menendez in true corrupt democrat fashion refusing to relinquish his power he stepped down from his committee assignments but still uh uh holding the governor or uh the the senate office and maintaining his innocence uh you know down to the bitter end in the meantime, there's a lot of speculation about who may potentially replace him uh, as he is likely to ultimately either lose his election or uh, step down or be removed in one way or another. And Chris Christie was asked point blank if he intends to take that position. But let me ask you point blank, would you run Only against Senator Menendez? But would, would you run against Senator Menendez if you don't win in the fall? What? No. No, I have no interest in being in the United States Senate. You, you rule it out completely. Yes, I have. I've had throughout my entire career. Now that's comedy. Bullcrap. I'm calling bullcrap on that right now, producer Carl, because I am telling you that any of these schmucks, who I mean, he is schmoozing for the highest office in the land. He would definitely be thrilled to be one of the most 100 uh, most powerful people in the United States legislator, legislature. Yeah, in the and, Senate. I, and I heard that there are free donuts in the Senate chamber hall. So. Yes. The, <laughs> now, the reason why he's saying that is because he knows he would lose. Much like Mike Pence in Indiana, he is, you know, um, a persona non grata, even in his own state. Which, how embarrassing is that for the former governor? Yeah, I wanted to say that um, senators are representatives of their states. And what better representative of New Jersey can you get than Bob Menendez, the state, the home of the Sopranos, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, um, except Tony, I think, had more uh, sense than to uh, stash the cast under his mattress. He put it in the bird feeder. Exactly. You know, with the bird food. Anyway. Thanks for tuning into Saturday Night on The Circle. We've got a lot more content to come. Coming up next, friend of the show, Abdul Shabazz, joins us for a conversation going over his poll results um, in Marion County among likely voters about the state of the election. Of course, uh, uh, you know, polls, just a snapshot of a moment in time. And we'll be discussing that moment with him up next.
Saturday night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. Hello and welcome back to Saturday Night on The Circle, where I am your respectable curmudgeon, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for joining us. Don't miss the podcast uploaded to SaturdayNightOnTheCircle.Fireside.FM and WIBC.com. Hop in the comments while we're streaming live on the YouTube. We enjoy seeing you there, as always. Now, the numbers are in, and the prognosis is poor for the anemic performance of Mayor Joe Hogsett's Republican challenger to the Indianapolis race for the city's executive office. Here to help dissect the findings is the one and only professor and professional provocateur, the pugnacious publisher and pundit, the outrageous and often ostentatious, unforgettable Abdul Hakim Shabazz joins the show once again. Hello, my friend. You wrote all that down. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote myself with a cocktail napkin. Here are the numbers, folks. <laughs> Hot off another successful night at WIBC, by the way. It was a, a pleasure to see you there. Always a fun time, man. And we had a great crowd. Always good. Um, so you had uh, this poll conducted in Indianapolis regarding the state of the mayor's race, and it reveals a few interesting things, but why don't you lay out your findings for our audience? Sure. Uh, me and my friends at Crossword Public Affairs, we got together uh, got together with our pollster, ARW Strategies. We've used them in the past before, and they've actually been really good. And we polled, uh, we want to see what, the, what, what, what does the mayor's race look like? Now, before we get started here, I'll remind people, polls are not predictions. Right. They're snapshot snapshots. of a moment in time. Snapshot of a moment in time. However, you get enough of those snapshots together, you can put together a full picture and see how things are trending. With that said, we polled 400 likely voters here in Marion County, and Joe Hogsett is ahead 10 points, 47 to 37 over Jefferson Shreve. However, what's interesting is, number one, Joe's under 50%. Uh, which we thought was uh, an interesting number to be in a, to be a third term, right. uh, going, for, going for a third term. But also, there were like 17% of voters undecided. Now, that tells me that while they are crazy about Joe Hogshead, because early voting starts like Tuesday, Wednesday of next, next week, Jefferson Shreve hasn't sealed the deal yet with those undecided voters. So what you're saying is that he's got a shot, and the fact that there are so so many undecided voters, I think, you know, kind of speaks to the underperformance of Joe Hogsett. But in many ways, Jefferson Shreve has blundered the opportunity. Like I hear him running these ads on WIBC now, where, you know, the "I am responsible" quote from Joe Hogsett about the state of Indianapolis and the rising crime and the unsolved murder rate. And I think it's a very effective message. But why didn't you lead with that? Like I understand you save your best for last, but that doesn't mean the inverse is true. And you lead with your worst first. Don't do that. <laughs> well, it's interesting because when Jefferson ran in the primary uh, against yours truly, he basically ran ads against Joe Hogsett uh-huh. in the primary. I expect him to continue that after the primary was done and over. Uh, but, but at the same time, though, uh, well, like I said, with the early voting getting underway next week, uh, it's like being it's like being it's like being a lawyer, which ironically I am, and it's like making the case to that jury. It's got to have a strong closing argument. You got to hit hard and hit repeat that message over and over and over and over again. But he's got to win like all of the undecided voters to make this a reality. And what are the odds of that in Indianapolis? The, because even if they're even if they're like disenfranchised by Joe Hogsett and they don't like the state of Indianapolis, which I think your your poll revealed, right? They they don't agree with the the trajectory of Indianapolis by and large. Fifty four percent of the fifty four percent of our response thought the city was on the wrong track. Okay, but does that translate to them then not walking into the voters' booth and you know hitting all Democrat? Here's the analogy. You know, here's, here's the ana- here's that's the, that's the problem. Here's the analogy that I use on uh, when I spoke to when I did an interview with Rob Kendall and also spoke to Jason and, and Hammer and Nigel. You're in high demand as usual. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is when my wife and I first kind of started going out 15 years ago. She was kind of dating a guy. 
So I had to convince her in order to get her to go out with me, I had to do two things. Number one, convince her that guy was a butthole. And number two, I was better. I succeeded in the first part. The second part, I'm still working on 15 years later. In other words, you convinced that this guy's bad. Okay, fine. But give me a reason to vote for you. Well, I'm, I, I think there might be one place that your analogy falls short, Abdul, which is incredible because you usually are dead on. But you didn't have to apologize for wronging your wife going into this deal, oh, right? Oh, 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 yes, I did. Oh, you did? Okay, <laughs> I, well, never mind. I, I, to, I, I apologize to my friend every day. Well, but, th- but this is what Jefferson Shreve would essentially have to do to his you know, voting base, he, who he is disenfranchised with these terrible ideas that he led with you know, basically right out of the gate after winning the primaries. I would, I, what I would do if I was Jefferson Tree was I would say, look, you may not agree with me on the gun, on the gun issue. However, the other 80% of things we do agree on, we agree the city's going in the wrong direction, we agree we need new leadership. I, would, I, I wouldn't necessarily apologize say, but we can work together to, to figure out how to keep illegal guns, keep guns out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them. So this is the Reagan theory of governance. If I can get 80% of what I want, then we can you know, yeah. come together. Nobody gets 100%. Okay, but you need the 100% of your Republican base, and you need the undecided voters on top of this. Like, I... And, and, and that's going to be Shreve's challenge over the next 30 days and change. I, I'm just not sure it's there. Well, and I guess we'll find well, well, out. Well, the other analogy I use too is uh, I, I said I have to put on my geek hat here, and it's 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 a, it's the closing scene in Star Wars. It's I Luke's, love this analogy. It's, it's Luke Skywalker. He's got to fly down a Death Star canyon to, to blow up the, the shoot the photon torpedoes in the in the exhaust pipe. The problem is Han Solo took the money to go pay Jabba the Hutt. The Force is not strong with Luke, and somebody in the Empire. Hey, how about we cover up this exhaust port? <laughs> Good luck. Uh, well, the, uh, is this the uh, first Death Star or the second where they have the gaping hole in the side? Because the second you had that whole shaft that no, you the, could no, fly this, right down no, the middle. No, this is just the first one. Okay, there we go. And the second was still under construction. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, we have a couple things to consider with the mayor's race coming up. Now, early voting is, start, is starting when? I forget Wednesday. The I believe Wednesday. Okay, Wednesday. And then we have the first, what well, they're billing is the first mayor's debate, which implies there are going to be more of them. There'll but... be three of them all together. The first one I want to say is Sunday. Uh, I thought I thought it was Monday the twenty third, I believe. Oh no, the first one, the first uh, debate is going to be Sunday. Then there's one on twenty third. Then Fox fifty nine is doing one as well. Oh, okay. Which TV and Fox News are both doing debates. Okay, great. Um, but then I I also think that there is the hearing on uh, the nineteenth for the Joe Hogsett uh, divorce. Actually, that has been canceled. That has been canceled. Yeah, I believe they settled. I believe they reached some kind of settlement because I just checked it a few minutes ago. Okay. And I believe they've settled, so there won't be that hearing has been canceled. A bit of breaking news. Then, because that was potentially hazardous for you know, like talk about an October surprise, you know, in the weeks before an election, like one w- might speculate that uh, Mrs. Hogsett uh, is rather upset. <laughs> well, my thing is when when Stephanie filed for her divorce six weeks before the before the election, I was like, hey. I don't know what Joe did, but she must have been really, really ticked off. That's what I'm saying. And really, really sent a message. Now, I've heard all sorts of rumors I'm not going to get into because nothing's been verified uh, as to why she filed while she filed uh, so mad and so quickly. But apparently something was something was going on that she filed right away. Well, there's a lot of... See, that that's the thing about the Hogshead administration. There's a lot of rumors that have surrounded his beleaguered administration, but the fact that Je- Jefferson Shreve hasn't sealed the deal is very disconcerting, and I still plan to write you in, essentially. 
essentially because <laughs> I I didn't forgive him for you know uh, you know coming right out of the gate with in the primaries with those terrible ideas regarding gun control, which is isn't even plausible for the mayor's office to achieve. Like that just it is bad posturing to me, and it ticked me off. Yes, bad. But, yes, but without some sort of third party confirmation proof evidence, you, you really can't kind of run with that stuff. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, but where? Uh, okay, so like Jefferson Shreve, he's got a few weeks to seal the deal. In your mind, what does he need to do to make that a reality? Then is I would hit that cry message over and over and over again. And I'd basically go, basically in a nutshell, I'd say, folks, guess what? Eight is enough. We've had eight years of Joe Hogg said, "What do we got to show for it? It's time for it's time for change. It's time for a new mayor. Time for a new direction in the city of Indianapolis." And speaking of rumors, should he or does he lean into the question, where was Joe Hogsett during the riots of 2020 during the debates? I would not be surprised if that comes up during the debates. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. Well, I'm going to be watching with rapt (laughs) attention, my friend. (laughs) Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you. You're listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on The Circle. We got more on the way coming up. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. This week we descend into the depths of cringy, awkward moments as a U.S. general desperately scrambles in search of respect, only to be denied in exceptionally humiliating fashion. Also, we reflect on a moment where Donald Trump was asked the simplest of questions, yet failed spectacularly to answer convincingly. You'll also hear our current executive short-circuit on live TV as his stamina further diminishes before the eyes of our nation. You'll hear it all for this week's edition of Hat Tricks with Hatcher. It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, where I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, and producer Carl, beep, 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 pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin with an awkward clip in which General Mark Milley was addressing a crowd, I believe, of, of graduates and sought in vain for respect and admiration from the crowd, having in effect his own Jeb Bush moment. My classmates from Princeton, so maybe we could hear you shout. That was pretty weak, actually, so not sure what to make of that. But I was made an honorary member of the class of 1980 from West Point, so all the West Point classmates, maybe we could hear from you. Oh. That's even weaker. Let me go back to Princeton. Please clap. 
<laughs> so, so let me go back to Princeton. Then you hear the boo coming from the crowd. They they know what's up. And could this have anything to do with the fact that the military doesn't resemble the military anymore? Uh, they got these virtue signaling recruitment ads. They have drag shows happening on military bases. What is going on? So yes, Mark Milley not getting love from uh, you know from fellow members of his military from his class uh from west point from princeton it's sad because this is a united states general having to grovel for respect and admiration producer carl do you think if general Patton showed up to a class of graduates that he would have received that kind of reception it would have been so loud you wouldn't be able to hear Patton. Thun right thunderous <laughs> applause and that's the kind of respect that a united states general should command and it's sad to see the state of the military under the leader the disastrous leadership of generals like mark milley and the biden administration now donald trump he did an interview with megan kelly a few weeks ago and i'm sure many of you have already heard this clip but i wanted to play it because it merits consideration where he was asked a very simple question yet was unable to provide a convincing response and i thought this was really puzzling coming from the former president when he had this to say to megan kelly can a man become a woman um <laughs> in my opinion you have a man you have a woman i i, I think i think part of it is birth can the man give birth no no. What, is, what is this, producer Carl? Like, yeah, he mealy-mouthed his way, slow walk to a sort of halfway answer, but the... I mean... <laughs> you know, in typical Donald Trump style, it's actually humorous the way that he answered things because, um, you know, um, you know, we can't, can't give birth and... <laughs> But you know, there there was there's really only one correct way to answer the question. It's the easiest que to question no. to answer. Can a man become a woman? No, God! No, God! No! 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 That's how that should have gone, right? I mean, it's yeah, a, it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he goofs on it at all of his rallies, but I I don't know. He's he's thinking in his head. Well, how's people going to react to it? Well, look, it's not a complicated question though, because P I believe I'm a libertarian. I believe people have the right to live the way they want to live, to perform the surgical alterations that they want to perform on themselves, provided that they are an adult and are able to consent to such modifications. That's fine. But that doesn't make you the thing. You can you can live and identify as a woman, but if you were biologically born a man, surgery doesn't make it so. It's a simple question to answer. Yeah, but, you know, he's not a biologist, Ethan. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, also, th this uh, happened at that... Man, what a stinker of a second debate. Um, but Chris Christie had uh, more one of the more memorable lines from the evening when he gave Donald Trump... A new nickname. And Donald Trump should be here to answer for that, but he's not. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching, okay? And you're not here tonight, not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on this stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. All right. Rimshot. I mean, okay, it landed a little bit flat. But producer Carl, did you hear Donald Trump's reaction to no, that quote? I missed it. 
here uh, we he, we have Donald Trump's reaction. See? Yeah, that's why I missed it. <laughs> I wasn't watching cartoons. Okay. Um, so we also, what else did we have? Oh, uh, this was a New York woman um, who was uh, talking about like the state of mental health in America. A state trooper was called to a New York Walmart because she was having a mental health crisis. This is contrary to what was speculated in social media, who assumed that she was shoplifting. But no, she starts smacking the officer throwing merchandise at him and is tackled to the ground and restrained and starts screaming. There's like a crowd of people who are gathering. They're pointing. Some of them are laughing. She's writhing around on the ground. This is a heavier set woman. Things are jiggling. It's kind of sad. <laughs> and we're having more frequent interactions like this with where, where police are essentially tasked to deal with the mental health crisis around America. We see it in cities like Indianapolis, just on our doorstep, where m many of the homeless population and the vagrancy and mo like minor uh, broken window crimes around the city are committed by people with mental health problems. And the police officers are not in a position, they're not equipped to deal with that. And then when they're inevitably released back onto the streets, it invites these situations to happen again and tragedy to occur. So it, it, it's kind of a sad look at the state of America um, that was caught on film. And then you have administration officials who are completely gaslighting the public into saying, you know, everything is fine. Oh, you know, America is doing great. In fact, we have a president who's laser focused on improving your life. This president has been so zeroed in, so laser focused on lowering costs for Americans. And we've done that. And a lot of the a lot of the policies that the president has put forward are indeed popular. I mean, Bidenomics is, has worked so well that you have Republicans in their own districts, in their own states, taking credit for things that the president pushed forward, policies that the president has pushed forward legislation that they didn't even vote for. You have to get out of denial. I've had failure in my life, but one thing I'm not in is denial. You're in denial. I'm not in denial. Without a doubt, she's in denial. There's so many things wrong, and yet everybody's in denial. Stop being in denial! According to Corrine Jean-Pierre, it's not a bug, it's a feature. Doesn't matter that the president is underwater with his popularity ratings, everything's just fine. In fact, Republicans are trying to filch off of his success. What a macaroon, Producer Carl. Yeah. This is nonsense. We, we play these clips every single week, and I was just thinking, <laughs> how... Do we not hear laughter every time she puts this out? Well, because the press corps is in on the joke. <laughs> they understand, you know. I mean, if this were in front of a crowd of people, yes, there would be laughter, mockery, probably a few tomatoes, well-deserved. But Joe Biden is himself short-circuiting 
on live TV. This week he blanked out, much like Mitch McConnell, much like Dianne Feinstein. These people are literally rotting on the vine before our eyes. I mean, I, I get it, but... Unedited. If you just listen to what's going on around the world, there's reason for people to be concerned. I mean, look, I I think that Joe Biden is going to make it through the next presidential campaign. They can pump him through for uh, full of enough meth and formaldehyde to you know sh- get his shambling corpse across the finish line. But man. It is really questionable whether he would uh, 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 sojourn through a second term. Um, He also botched a uh, White House website this week in spectacular fashion. Studentaid-gov slash save. How embarrassing. And it's incompetence at the highest echelon of leadership or the most meager, where I'm sure you also heard Jamal Bowman last weekend decided to pull the fire alarm to get into a vote in a comical display of stupidity, which he maintains was just, you know, him earnestly trying to, uh, uh, you know, get in to vote. He was just rushing and he thought the fire fire alarm was a doorknob. You know, I don't know why this has gotten so much attention. I was literally just in a rush to go vote, man. That's all it was. Are you afraid of any repercussions, either from leadership or from legally? I I mean, listen, I take responsibility for what I did, you know, but like I said, I was in a rush to go vote, and, uh, you know, the investigation will, will, will sort everything else out. Your intellect is as weak as your dollar. Failure is your destiny. You disrespect yourself and your nation. You are made of stupid. If you can't tell the difference between a doorknob and a fire alarm, then you need to leave the Congress. Producer Carl, have you ever been confused by a doorknob and a fire alarm? They're in a red little box. Yeah, it's a red lever. They're labeled (laughs) in plain English. But I assume he can read if he can vote. Jamal Bowman can read, can he not? You know, but Democrats oftentimes are so dumb, he right. might be telling the truth. There we go. It's coming from a party where there was a congressman that actually worried that the military ships off an island might tip the island over. Well, hold on, <laughs> producer Carl, because I, I think we have a soundbite in times like this. There we go. Listen, if you don't qualify... No. Mental illness is a political identity and always has been. There we go. So (laughs) goes to your theory. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. We got more on the way. Jefferson Shreve running a particularly desperate ad in an attempt to close the gap between him and Joe Hogsnot. We'll tell you about it coming up next. Stay tuned. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is Saturday Night on the Circle. And you'll recall in the last segment, I teased a particularly desperate cry from Jefferson Shreve as he attempts to close the gap between him and his Democratic opponent, the incumbent mayor, Joe Hogsnot. Now, he's running this ad to appeal to your love and concern for the fluffy animals. 
Jefferson Shreve. This is his new ad. See if you agree how desperate this is, producer Carl. My wife, Mary, and I, we have a track record of supporting animal welfare, and I'll take that passion with me to the mayor's office and begin this work day one. Joe Hogsett has failed us, and he's failed the domestic animals and the system of care that we should deliver year over year. Dogs and cats killed at the city's animal shelter because they don't have the staff to care for them. The shelter, it's overcrowded. Animals are in crates, in offices, and in the hallways. The conditions are deplorable at the Harding Street shelter and a direct result of Mayor Hogsett's lack of leadership. As mayor of Indianapolis, I will donate my salary to friends of any animals. I'll take action on building a new shelter. I'll work toward a no-kill shelter. And I'll hire an additional veterinarian and vet techs. We support Jefferson Shreve and his commitment to making our shelter and okay, our city okay, a better place. Okay, okay, okay. We get the point. Look, I support the animals. Carl, you know that I love kitties. I love I love dogs, too. I think that the shelter should be built. We were uh, griping about that a couple weeks ago on the show. The fact that they've poured nearly $15 million into this thing, $5 million into the remediation of the lot alone without breaking ground and setting a single brick. So, yes, I think the city is grossly mismanaging the animal shelter, Jefferson, but there are more... It- pressing problems, namely the crime, namely supporting the police officers. And this just comes off as an incredibly desperate uh, uh, tone-deaf plea. Oh, care about the fluffy animals. I'll donate my whole paycheck to the animal shelter. Like, oh, wait, Jefferson is a Southern belle. That's why, that's why he sounds like for the purposes of this gripe. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, okay, fine. I guess if he's elected mayor, cool, he's going to donate his money to the shelter. But there are more important problems. And this late in the campaign, it just seems like an emotionally manipulative attempt to gain your support. Um, there was one important item of news, however. Uh, we had a fairly important passing in the Senate as a 90-year-old Diane Feinstein passed away in her sleep last week. Let the joyous news be spread. The what? wicked old witch at last is dead. Producer Carl, don't be so garish. Don't be so gauche. We do not celebrate the demise of legislators on this. I can't. I'm I'm shocked and offended that that uh, a clip like that would make it to the airwaves of WIBC. I apologize for Carl's indiscretion, dear listeners, because that was that was unfortunate. We mourn the passing of Diane Feinstein. She was a titan, titan of the Senate. Thanks for the broom. (laughs) Thanks for (laughs) Carl. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle 93 WIBC. Stay tuned because coming up in the next hour, we have uh, some updates about the Joe Hogsett campaign, why he has been absent from a few events, as well as the antics of a few YouTubers overseas. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Hour two of Saturday Night on the Circle with your host, Ethan Hatcher, the the spectacled curmudgeon. Thanks for tuning into the show. And producer Carl, pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. Thanks for tuning in. You can find our podcast uploaded to WIBC.com as well as Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. Plus, hop in the chat where we're streaming live. Live on YouTube. I always love seeing your comments and things that you have to say during the show, and I try and respond to them when I can. Now, we had what I thought was a bit of breaking news, but I guess it's already wormed its way through the cycle. You just heard the top of the news update about Joe Hogsett allegedly busting his lip taking out the trash because he was wearing flip-flops. This according to his uh, city spokesman, Mark Bode, who sent out a statement last night about the incident, why he hasn't come to, you know, the event. Supposedly, he's going to be at the debate this Sunday, but I'm a little bit skeptical about the, you know, the whole story here and the validity that he just, you know, uh, was wearing flip-flops. You know, where did this happen is a question many might be asking themselves, producer Carl, and I speculate, I think I might know where Joe Hogsnot might have been. You got any guesses? At the bar? (laughs) Hanging out with his friends. Allegedly, you know, uh, in a far-flung space adventure. That's where, you know, meeting up with the the crazy wolf man in the corner. Probably gave him a fat lip over there. That's how that happened. No flip-flops involved. Just uh, droids and space creatures for Joe Hogsnot. So yeah, that's the that's the story that they are coming up with. They're they're sticking with it for better or for worse. I, I with all of the rumors that are swirling about this character, and particularly where he might have been the night of the riots, his own you know personal shortcomings, and then the state of his marital life with uh, Mrs. Hogsett filing for divorce, and I guess they've now settled out of court, avoiding that inconvenient hearing four days before uh, the televised debate on the twenty. Third, so yeah, he sidestepped that, but who knows? Okay, you know, if you if you want to say that you uh, you got stitches while you were taking out the trash because you were wearing flip flops, I guess it's a story you can stick with. But I, for one, am skeptical. Story that KJP would believe. Sure, <laughs> it's probably one that she would come up with. Uh, <laughs> um. Now, there was another big item in the news. I don't know if you saw the uh, the case of Furious George Momo, the escaped monkey who made a break for it uh, across an Indianapolis neighborhood. Uh, he escaped Wednesday evening and inside of 24 hours, animal services finally, fortunately, caught up with him. But in the intervening like day and a half that this monkey was on the loose, he became a national, nay, international news phenomenon, gaining the attention of the likes of Stephen Colbert, who had this 
remarkably unfunny monologue, but hey, got some attention for Indianapolis. This one goes out to little Richie Dom, age eight, who loves nothing more than escaped monkey stories and refreshing ham sandwiches. In the Midwest, an escaped monkey has been running riot in an Indianapolis neighborhood, clearly the result of the loss of habitat when they built the Indianapolis Speedway the native monkey population of Indiana was forced to adapt to their new environment. <laughs> Momo, if that is his real name, yeah, bad, isn't it? escaped his home sucks. earlier this week and was spotted on some trees, and Momo's owner arrived and was trying to coax him out with a peach. Really? He didn't go for the peach? But peaches, the fruit monkeys are known for enjoying the most. <laughs> ah, we've tried the peach, we're out of ideas. What else would a monkey want? Should we try some kale? No, maybe something longer. Asparagus? What do monkeys love? What happened to the state of late night television? It's cool to see Indiana Indianapolis mentioned, you know, in, in the late night shows. But my goodness, the state of comedy is abysmal. And this is after the writer's strike has ended. And yeah, these I was going to say, I, I thought the strike had ended. You're paying those people 10000 <laughs> but wow. no, like 14000 a week for that yeah. that's insane it's really that's bad te- that, yeah that's terrible and look i understand i am a remarkably dry dull unfunny person myself but that was like squeezing blood from a stone that was sad and that's Stephen Colbert. That he he has come a long way from his show on uh, uh, Comedy Central. I used to think he was kind of funny. Not anymore. Evidently, that was all the writing team. If that's what he comes up with, that's terrible. But the fact that uh, Momo the monkey made international news for our city uh, kind of reminded me of a relevant sketch from The Onion produced nearly 13 years ago, but rings more true today than ever. I present Bullcrap News. Which began just... desperate attempt to fill 24 hours of programming. Here's some bullshit that happened somewhere today. We've got some footage here of the bullshit which began just after 3 o'clock this afternoon when residents in this neighborhood were shocked to see this fairly common thing happening. An attractive witness described the event in breathless terms. I went to my window and I was like, whoa, there's some bullshit happening. That happened right over there. I'm an older man, so you can trust what I say. Authorities in special uniforms rushed to the scene to stand around while our cameras filmed them. Our reporter Keith Collins joins us now live from the scene of the bull through the use of expensive technology. Good to be with you again, Keith. We have a colorful graphic here that shows instances of bull like this are on the rise. Is that right? Yes, although why is unclear. Some say it's because of one reason. Others say it's because of some other reason. I talked to this random expert on the subject who told me this thing you're about to hear him say right after he points at a piece of paper. I spent my entire life attending the nation's most prestigious schools to talk about this. I'm really just happy to be on TV. Now let's see if we can drag this out a little longer by showing emails written by some of our viewers. I once saw some stuff kind of like the you're talking about happen. I have nothing more to add. Another person says, I am angry that things like this happen. I get mad about every bull thing I see. So obviously a lot of opinions there to make this story seem somewhat meaningful. Oh, absolutely, Glenn. This bull has some broader implications. Here's a list of tips on how to avoid bull happening to you. And here's some footage of Congress. Yes, I see. 
see that. Well, thank you, Keith. Uh, let us know if there are any updates on this bull <laughs> story from there. There's no way there will be. Very good. We'll check back with you in an hour anyway. I'm just some <laughs> guy. When we return, we'll look at live footage of a car chase taken from a helicopter and free associate about what's going on. live reaction you've worked in television news before is this not basically, basically the news it, cycle yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that is the 20 that is what the 24 hour news cycle has birthed and it, it you know this week it was momo furious george the runaway monkey um but it is sometimes it's other just stupid bullcrap that dominates the attention of the news cycle and steals our attention away from more important issues. And I, you know, if anything, I think it's a desperate cry from the people for some respite from the nonsense of the day to day. And, you know, so you embrace these relatively insignificant events in a desperate attempt to give your existence some kind of meaning. I don't know. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. 93 WIBC Saturday night on the circle before we closed I wanted to also bring you into this conversation I've been having with members of an Irvington neighborhood group about um, their self-proclaimed status as a food desert which I think is nonsense and it connects with Momo uh, the monkey conversation because they have said that this is the Irvington monkey mind you this monkey was seen nowhere near Irvington at any point it made its way as far as come when they finally caught up with it somewhere in the vicinity, I think of like 10th and Mithoffer or there, thereabouts. I mean, like it was far out, not anywhere close to Irvington, about four or five miles away. But they're calling this monkey the Irvington monkey because of its proximity. But they also say that they're a food desert because the closest Kroger is 1.2 miles away from the, the town center of uh, Irvington. And oh, yes, producer Carl, you say, well, that's relatively close. Aha! But that's where you're you're wrong, you see, because the definition, according to the United States government, of a food desert in America is a tract with at least 500 people or 33% of the population living more than one mile for urban areas or 10 miles for rural areas from the nearest supermarket, supercenter, or large grocery store, which means that they would have a grocery store every two miles in a residential area just to avoid the classification of food desert. This is nonsense. This is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And of course, the people cry, oh, well, what about the people who can't afford transportation? What about the rural people? Why is it one mile for a city center, but it's 10 miles for the rural? Oh, I guess they can foot, you know, truck it 10 miles on foot, but the city people can't. And then you bring up the, uh, you know, the alternative, the options that we have at our disposal now, because this wonderful capitalistic uh, profit driven society that we live in, where you can have your food freaking delivered to you. Kroger delivers. Walmart delivers and oh they chime but they can't afford to buy they can't afford to have a car so they can't afford to pay the delivery fee like I don't know what to tell you this is a transportation automobile centered society and we cannot completely reconfigure how everything works just to satisfy a few people like this
Everybody's a victim. Everybody's a victim. And it's look, they're surrounded by no less than three options. There's a Safeway, there's a Kroger, there's an Aldi, and there may be one other small little store in the immediate vicinity. And then, of course, in Beach Grove, there's the uh, world-famous Beach Grove Walmart. You know, did the Walmart fights over there. But point being, you got options. And no one who lives anywhere around a major United States metropolis should consider themselves to be in a food desert. We live in an exceedingly opulent and soft society, and those state-driven definitions only fuel people's victim ideology. Yeah, and I don't really see many people starving in right. the city. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, producer Carl, don't you know that obesity is also a sign of a food desert? Yes, I've had that said to me. Obesity is a sign of a food desert because they don't have access to nutritious foods that are provided in a supermarket. Blah, 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 blah. <sighs> Just wanted to bring you into, you know, the frustrating world of online discuss, uh, you know, discourse um, and ridiculous United States definitions. Irvington is a food desert. My backside. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, my opportunity to personally gripe on the air for a couple hours. <laughs> Stay tuned for more. Up next, we have friend of the show, Rob Kendall, coming on the air, and we're going to celebrate the unexpected uh, ousting of Kevin McCarthy once again. So nice. I thought I'd talk about it twice. Stay tuned. Who's the slimiest rat in the pack? Who's unlovable? Who's unlivable? Whose behavior is quite unforgivable? Who would stoop to the lowest and meanest of tricks in the book? This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm Ethan Hatcher, your square peg in this round world. Don't miss the podcast uploaded to WIBC.com. Plus, hop in the comments while we're live on YouTube. This week, in a shocking accidental act of accountability led by a small contingent of uh, disenfranchised Republicans, Kevin McCarthy has been unceremoniously ousted as Speaker of the House for failing to live up to his phony baloney promises of curtailing runway Washington spending. Here to help us speculate on who Republicans may burn up as a replacement next week. He's won half of the award-nominated broadcast phenomenon known as Kendall and Casey Show. The often off-the-rails Rob Kendall joins us in studio. Ethan, I can't uh, even begin to tell you how proud of you I was at the night with WIBC. You participated in the Thunderbeers Challenge, and you were, I look, I did not anticipate you being able to perform the way you did, but you did marvelous. What you don't know is there were years of practice solo alcoholism to back that yeah, yeah. up. So, yeah. Well, it all came in handy. <laughs> I'm sorry for the years of torture you you endured and whatever drove it, you. It that. all led up to that moment of triumph uh, there in the green room. Great. What yeah. a phenomenal show! Yeah, I great. loved the night with WIBC. Getting to meet with you know with the fans is always a treat, and I thought the performance of all involved was top yeah. notch. I thought it was great, best one we've done ever. And I just wanted to point that out before we talk about some other great performances by members of the U.S. Congress that uh, you did it. You did a great job. Thank you, man. Uh, the surprise showing this week by Matt Gates yeah. coming out of the you know left field. 
proverbial left field to introduce a recall on House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and then succeeding with a handful of Republicans, mostly joined by Democrats. But nevertheless, Kevin McCarthy gone as Speaker in a shocking act of accountability by Congress. I don't think many really anticipated. Well, wasn't it interesting? <laughs> and the great thing about politicians is if you let them talk long enough, they'll show you who they are. Isn't it interesting that whether it's professional office hopper Aaron Houchin or Larry Bouchon or Mike Pence or any of the other good time fun gang here in Indiana and part of the delegation, they are more upset at Matt Gates for holding Kevin McCarthy accountable to the agreement he made than they are Biden and Pelosi and Schumer, who are actually destroying this country every single day. That's all Matt Gates did is said, hey, McCarthy, you made this agreement of your own free will. No one forced you to sign on to it. You have not upheld your end of the agreement. I am now going to execute the authority that I have under this agreement to attempt to remove you. And these Republicans are just absolutely beside themselves because someone held them to it. Well, let's not forget your old buddy, Jim Banks, because yeah. he says, let's go. He's uh, Jim Jordan all the way, as I understand well, it. Don't, so don't you love a guy <laughs> clocks right twice a day? <laughs> don't you love a guy who has executed just absolutely horrific judgment? And then within minutes of the uh, finally having to pay the price for the terrible judgment, he's out there tweeting about how you should trust his judgment. Judgment on the next person. Look, this is so people say, why are you so mean to Jim Banks? Because Jim Banks had the clout to prevent Kevin McCarthy from being speaker. If Jim Banks had come out after the third or fourth vote and said, we've tried this, we clearly don't have a consensus, we are done here, I am done here, he could have brought 50 or 60 people with him, and that would have been the end of Kevin McCarthy. Jim Banks made a calculated decision, because he wants to be a U.S. senator, that the best way for him to be a U.S. senator is to be on the good side of Mitch McConnell and the good time fun gang in the establishment, ultimately proving correct because Mitch Mitch Daniels uh, chooses not to run. Holcomb Huffer Incorporated endorsed Jim Banks. They're putting their thumb on the scale to try to keep poor John Rust from not even be able, being able to run. And... So he did the politically expedient thing rather than the right thing. Politically expedient, indeed. I noted a poll, informal poll, conducted by townhall.com um, for who should be the replacement to Kevin McCarthy. And far and away, the two leaders were Jim Jordan and Donald Trump. Most interestingly, I thought, now this is, you know, again, an informal, I think it was Twitter poll, um, but likely conservative voters who are participating in this. And Jim Jordan edging out Donald Trump by 7%, which, I mean, he should. He has more bona fides. It was, I think, 47 to 40% uh, Jim Jordan in the lead compared to Donald Trump. Steve Scalise, obviously a distant third. How does that stack up with what you think is likely to transpire when this vote takes place next Wednesday? Well, Trump has endorsed Jordan. He can't actually run by their own rules because he's under indictment, and their rules clearly state you can't run for speaker if you're under indictment. But isn't it fascinating that in January, when people like me came out and said, Kevin McCarthy is going to be a horrible choice. He has no intention of following through on what he has promised. And you people are fools for believing this. Oh, you're just an agent of chaos and you're just awful. And uh, Jim Jordan would never want to be Speaker of the House and blah, 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 blah. Here we are now. McCarthy has failed, so all the people, Jim Banks and all these other people who were all in on McCarthy, now it's, oh, Jim Jordan would be a great Speaker of the House, Ethan. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's an interesting turn of events for sure that they all you know coalesced around Kevin McCarthy, and I don't think that anybody who's serious that was paying attention in politics thought he was going to be a uniter of the Republican Party, nor was he going to curtail Washington spending. Jim Jordan, however, I think you've postulated if he ultimately becomes the victor you know, of the House Speaker position, 
option might be a better trade. I don't know. I mean, anything's worth it, and at least a switch guarantees that something has the possibility to change. Well, I have no faith in Jim Jordan, because keep in mind, he did vote for Kevin McCarthy for Speaker, so you have to question his judgment like everyone else. However, it can't be any worse than McCarthy. Right. It can only go up from here, and if you believed in Jim Jordan's voting track record, it's certainly markedly better in terms of government accountability, transparency, limited government, etc., than than McCarthy. But the Speaker position, Paul Ryan was that guy before he became Speaker, and look at what happened to him. Remember, he was picked by Romney because he was the entitlement reform guy. He was the government accountability guy. He was the, you know, spending controls guy. You got none of that when he was Speaker of that. So the Speakership has ways of doing weird things to people. Ultimately, Ethan, it comes down to this. And the question for Jim Jordan should be very simple. Are you willing to shut down the federal government? If the answer is yes, then you have a puncher's chance to get some meaningful reforms to the government. If the answer is no then nothing's going to change, because the only way you're going to fix this is to shut down the federal government. Now, the other question I'd like you to reflect on is what would this potentially do if Jim Jordan wins to an impeachment inquiry that's currently being, you know, uh, 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 Joe Biden is un- undergoing? Now, under Kevin McCarthy, I had anticipated him completely floundering and yes. flip-flopping and weaseling out of the oh, deal. Oh, good, you too. Right. I was going to ask you do, you, have, do you have any faith that the Republicans are going to impeach Joe Biden? But, I have none. Uh, well, not, not at the time, but what does a Jim Jordan House speak Speakership potentially do because he, more than any other congressman, has seemingly held the Biden crime family to account, and he's produced some you know pretty powerful sound bites. Now's the opportunity to put up and shut up. Will it happen? Well, that's a great question, right? Because the Republicans under McCarthy slow walked this thing for as long as possible. Every time he gave a speech or a media inquiry on the topic, he sounded like Jihadi John was behind him with a knife and he was blinking twice to let everyone know he was all right. He clearly didn't want any part of it. Now, Jordan certainly does want a big part of it, head of judiciary, obviously invested in it. So I think you're right. I think it probably makes it more likely. But here's the thing. He's got to be able to consensus build, and he's got to consensus build through strength. So what I mean by that is, and I found this out. Now I only had to flip two people. He's got to, you know, he's got to get what is it, two hundred and seventeen others in addition to himself. So it's a much bigger thing. But you can consensus build through strength, and what I mean by that is you can, by a cult of personality or will of force or using the bully pulpit. You can get people to your side. You don't have to go in there and go, what's the middle ground on everything, right? You don't have to do that. You can consensus build to your side, and that's what he's going to have to do on impeachment, on federal spending, on entitlement reform, all of these things if he's going to be effective. Consensus building an imperative facet of leadership, which I'm glad you emphasized, and I circle back to Donald Trump's endorsement of Jim Jordan. Does that potentially alienate his ability to endear Republicans? Because, of course, Donald Trump, for better or for worse, is an infinite name in Washington, infamous name in uh, Washington circles. So, does that potentially poison his ability to coalesce leadership? You ask an interesting question because let's okay, let's play this out. So, with Kevin McCarthy, the argument the entire time was he's the only guy. You're never going to get blah 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 elected. So, you must vote for him, or you could have a Democrat. Well, now it's sort of the switch, right? Don't the conservatives come and go? Hey, look. 
you're going to have to vote for Jim Jordan because otherwise you're going to have Hakeem <laughs> Jeffries as the speaker, and you don't want that, do you, Mr. Jim Baird? So I think this is going to be a fascinating exercise. Again, I'm not excited about Jim Jordan. I've seen too many times where we've had these people who have promised to be change agents or reformers or whatever, and they get in there and they wilt. But it can't be any worse than Kevin McCarthy. Sure. But does the Donald Trump endorsement move the needle in any way no. pro, you know, for or against? No, I think ultimately it's going to come down to, hey, you've got Steve Scalise, you've got Jim Jordan. You're going to have to pick one of these two. Uh, Is there a dark markers. horse somewhere lurking in the far distance? I just I think I think Jim Jordan is liked enough amongst his peers. He's not Gates. It's not Byron Donald. It's not uh, Burchette. It's not any of these other rebel rousers who are deemed, you know, it's not Marjorie Taylor Greene or Boebert. He's respected enough that they'll probably say, let's give him a shot. Okay, it'll be interesting. And we'll be following every moment as the vote transpires next week here. And on by the WMC. way, may I point out, you remain skinny and beautiful, Ethan, every time I see you. I appreciate that. And I had I had to do that, you know, to be on the stage yeah, uh, at WIBC. And you've never looked better. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back, Indianapolis, to Saturday Night on the Circle, where we're following up on a case all the way back in April where a YouTube prankster in the state of Virginia met what jurors evidently felt was a, a justifiable. <laughs> encounter with another uh, armed individual uh, basically the short uh, the short of the story is he effed around and he found out i'm surprised that this doesn't happen more often with these obnoxious YouTube clout chasers, um, poorly ran prank channels um, that end up getting people injured um, in pursuit of fame. In this case, um, it happened uh, to Tanner Cook, who was 21, um, running the Classified Goons YouTube channel, harassing Alan Colley at the Dulles Town Center Mall in Sterling, Virginia on April 2nd. Well, it only uh, took 20 seconds for crap to hit the fan. What's that? Quit thinking about my twinkle. No. Quit thinking about my twinkle. Get out of my face and stop. Quit thinking about my twinkle. Stop. Went 20 seconds. It was 20 seconds from the moment Cook approached Coley before Coley pulled a gun and shot him. Coley's defense attorneys argued self-defense. And since this happened, the social media world has really gotten behind Coley, saying Cook was harassing him, a, a complete stranger. Now, you heard Coley tell Cook to stop a few times, but then pulled that gun and shot one round, injuring the YouTuber. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. 
It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? Okay, so obviously, um, <laughs> in most circumstances, and we, we, you know, who'd be great for a conversation uh, on this issue would be Gun Guy, Guy Relford, because as I understand it, self-defense is mostly limited, or I think exclusively limited, to when you feel in Your danger. Yeah, yeah, you know, in danger of uh, 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 death or serious bodily injury to yourself or a third person, which also allows you to step in. Um, in this case. He argued that he was being harassed by this, I think, six foot two YouTuber who's, you know, almost as tall as I am, six foot four. So he's just a couple inches shorter than me. Um, and evidently he felt threatened enough that he retaliated. The jury finding him innocent um, of assault in that in that instance, um, he was justified using self-defense, um, but he was ultimately uh, charged with firing uh, uh, in an enclosed space. And if ultimately found guilty of that lesser charge, he could be uh, in prison for up to 10 years. But of course, his lawyers are going to mount a vigorous defense. An interesting case, to say the least, and honestly, I'm surprised that doesn't happen to more of these YouTube pranksters who take those videos too far and you screw around with the wrong person and you are asking for things like that to go wrong. Another character who is chasing the clout and being an obnoxious buffoon in the process is a character by the name of Johnny Somali. Have you heard of him, Producer Carl? Can't say I do. Well, yeah. he's an up-and-comer in the YouTube streaming universe. Uh, fortunately, he seems to largely be getting laughed off the platform because of his uh, absolutely obnoxious and unacceptable antics, uh, deciding that he is God's gift comedy, um, going and essentially bullying the people of Japan. He has done all kinds of crap, harassing people on subways, uh, uh, trespassing in construction zones, screaming at strangers and making a mockery of the Japanese people and the country itself. Here's the kind of stuff that he's saying on the subway. And let me tell you, the people of Japan don't take too kindly to crap like this. Yeah, Hiroshima? You know Hiroshima? Nagasaki? You know? Why you do this? Pearl Harbor? Hiroshima! Nagasaki! Hiroshima, Nagasaki. We destroy it. What do you mean? Where you from? You know where I'm from? Where you from? I'm from uh, America. You're from America? Yes. So am I. You're from America? Yeah, you're being obnoxious. You know what we do to you? So he's saying we're going to bomb you again. He's screaming Hiroshima, Nagasaki on the subway. He's just screaming like Pearl Harbor in these people's faces. And yes, he has got he has attracted enough attention in the country. He's been arrested a couple of times and re-released by authorities, but he has become a national pariah. He sent one of their uh, Instagram stars in there, there in Japan um, and, and sent her away crying because of her interaction with this nutcase he's reinforcing negative stereotypes in the country like all kinds of damage that this johnny somali is causing in the name of chasing clout and it's ridiculous um he got he got cornered by a whole bunch of japanese utes as uh, th they would say in my cousin Vinny. Uh, the utes cornered him and and essentially forced him to apologize which he did half-heartedly and then used that to uh, uh springboard even more content
So it just kind of shows, you know, the state of social media and how you can get sucked into this spiral of worthless content just to get clicks and ad revenue. And that sort of thing needs to stop, to say the least, like especially Japan, such an orderly, polite country, and they don't know how to deal with characters like this. You know, some a dude like this would get his ass kicked anywhere else. Plain yeah, and, and, and he's lucky in Japan, most people don't have guns. And no, so. <laughs> they don't. And also there are laws like in Japan that de-incentivize you from putting the smack down on somebody else. Like, it's not like uh, uh, the game Yakuza, you know, you're not running around Tokyo, uh, you know, putting the smack down on people. That's that's not how this works. You know, you think that the, the Yakuza uh, Japanese mafia is around every corner, but that's just a Western stereotype. It's not the reality when you get to the country, and that's why this guy's ass is largely gone unkicked, unfortunately, despite these shenanigans in the country of Japan. However, there was a more lighthearted um, YouTube prankster, and this one, um, sticking it to the man, um, a, a cause that I often support, this time um, creating a problem for the HOA. This was a Florida-based YouTuber uh, who runs a channel um, about vehicle maintenance and other topics who was fined more than $1,400 by his HOA for parking his $90,000 Ford truck in the driveway. That was beyond the pale. Now, here's the crazy hypocrisy uh, of the ruling. You could park like a 90,000 or not a 90, uh, a $1,000, you know, junker Honda on your driveway, but not this $90,000 Ford because the ordinances that you have in your HOA. And I don't know about you, producer Carl, but you will never, ever catch me moving into an HOA. Now, evidently this guy didn't understand what he was getting into, but he feels trapped because he can't even sell his property for the next two years without incurring tax penalties. So he's essentially stuck having to deal with these nincompoops, making it very unfriendly for young uh, entrepreneurs and homeowners to move into these neighborhoods. It's a nightmare. It's like a mini bureaucracy. And why would you invite that kind of encroachment in your personal residence? I will never know. I guess if you're thrilled with the HOA, you can you know live there and deal with it. Uh, but this guy got his sweet revenge by um, uh, paying the fine in a combination of pennies, dimes, and quarters all mixed in five-gallon buckets that was uh, deposited to the HOA president. There was a minor legal, minor legal squabble about uh, whether or not uh, it had to be accepted, and it, it was ruled in his favor. It was ruled in the YouTuber's favor. The HOA had to take it as legitimate payment for the fine, and that, you know, <laughs> don't get mad. Get even. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Uh, one more segment to come, so stay tuned. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. 
Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Wrapping things up here on a Saturday evening. And, hey, it's always a pleasure to share the airwaves with you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for hopping in the chat on YouTube. If you missed any of the show, you can find our podcasts uploaded to WIBC.com, as well as my podcasting website, Saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm. And we always uh, thank producer Carl for his dutiful work on the board, beep, 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 pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. Closing the evening with a warning to you Marion County residents that rent might be getting ready to increase again thanks to government interference predictable as usual this time in an effort to absolve the irresponsible from the consequences of their action an eviction clinic was held last week where more than 200 people were able to file their paperwork to get the evictions off their record um this according to amber finley the president of marion county bar association saying we've seen that there's a big barrier to access safe and affordable housing when you have this eviction record out there so we're here to ensure that we can lift as many barriers as possible within the community yes there is a barrier when you have an eviction on your record because it means that you're likely not to be responsible with your bills that is important when you're moving into a long-term residential contract uh, as many of you know i uh, i myself am a housing provider here in uh, indianapolis i have several rental units and if i wasn't able to determine accurately whether or not an individual had been filed against, then I would have to increase my rental uh, price and also potentially the deposits to cover my losses caused by that. Like you want to avoid renting to irresponsible people and the interference from the city in order to so-called absolve these people, um, you know, is going to end up precipitously increasing the price for everybody else, as is often the case with with government interference of all stripes. It's just incredibly annoying. Um, Now, fortunately, uh, we can say there was a Uh, score one for the good guys because eminent domain was overturned um, along an expansion uh, from us 31 and 256th street a beloved family farmers market the wilson farm market um, has been there for more than five decades in arcadia and indot one of the most reprehensible corrupt organizations you'll ever have the displeasure of dealing with uh you know who constantly extract hundreds of millions of dollars from the taxpayer without producing measurable benefits benefit to the city or renovating our atrocious roads, but they had claimed that they were going to use eminent domain to demolish this more than 50-year-old staple of the community and landmark off of US 31 so they could erect, get this, a cul-de-sac. Oh, wow. Yes, that was so necessary. And then INDOT, after after outraging the community, and it was only fortunately um, due to the cacophonous uh, cry of members within the town that this was overturned, because you have to hold government accountable and put their feet to the fire. And then INDOT admitted, like, well, yeah, I guess we didn't have to put the cul-de-sac there. We could put it somewhere else and avoid demolishing the farmer's market. Like, damn well, right, you should. You know, instead of instead of taking the easy way out, the thoughtless way out, and confiscating uh, a member, you know, a member of the community's property um, in order to you know force this eminent domain of a road expansion that was unnecessary and could be done in another way and achieve the same goal. Unfortunately, that brings the program to a close. Thanks for tuning in as always, and I'll leave you with my parting words of wisdom. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whoever you're with, remember that life is a state of mind. See you next time. Thank you.